You're listening to an Amplify podcast. We have an interview with director Nick Barkler, who's um, directed a film, Inside Fighter. A uh, documentary film uh, about a Australian uh, boxer uh, who's in the United States. So can you tell us a little bit about the, the documentary? Yeah, it's about a friend of mine, a guy called Frank Laporto, uh, who was ranked uh, 12 in the world in the light middleweight division. And he got a last-minute call-up to fight for the world title in America. And normally he would have two or three months to prepare for a fight like that. Um, but in this case, he had five weeks because the guy who was going to uh, challenge for the title broke his hand in training, and they needed to find an opponent pretty fast. So they called Frank, who was ranked 12 in the world, and he was um, sort of towards the end of his career. Uh, and he decided to take the fight, even though it was at short notice. He knew it was a kind of once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So he called me up and said, "This is um, I'm going to take this fight in five weeks. The fight's in Texas. Uh, and I said, well, I'd love to film it. And then I said, when do, you, when do you start training? And he said, tomorrow morning. And I said, well, I'd better get in there with a the camera. And, uh, <laughs> and that's, that's what happened. Pretty short notice. A very short notice, yeah. Does the film include any Rocky style like training <laughs> montages? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, little. there's a bit of that. Yeah, well, Frank's called Frank's called uh, the Italian Stallion. Yeah. So yeah. there's a, there's a few kind of Rocky similarities, and um, and there's a little bit of a Rocky vibe to the to the film. Yeah. So it sounds pretty high pressure. How do you like? Because it's a documentary. Like, how was it filming something that? I presume it's really high pressure. I, yeah. Five weeks doesn't sound like a lot to prepare for such a big match. So, oh, you mean um, a lot of pressure for Frank? Well, a lot of pressure just in the environment. Like, how was it capturing that, and I guess sort documenting of, that, sort of communicating the sort of like the sort of the uh, what what like his like sort of uh, well, what's the the sort of like you know his struggle sort of thing like to get up to speed. In yeah, sure. Weeks. I mean, look, yeah, it was. I mean, you know, like I said, normally he'd have. Two or three months to prepare, so he wasn't. He wasn't. He hadn't been in hard training before the phone call, so he was aware that he had to train probably twice as hard as he normally would, or as hard as he possibly could. So, um, and because we were friends, I was able to follow him pretty much all day, every day, with the camera and get a really intimate look at what he was going through. And that boxing training at that level is torturous anyway. I mean, they're just getting hammered in the gym to get fit and strong and whatever. And so added to that was the pressure that he also knew that it wasn't an ideal preparation. And he was also facing a guy who was undefeated world champion. So it was a big, big mountain to climb. But um, but it was a really exciting journey to see someone take on that sort of challenge. So, uh, are you? So, you're primarily a documentary filmmaker. Have you made any fiction films before? No, I'm actually I'm mainly an actor. Oh, you're mainly. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been acting for about 15 years, and this was the first film I'd made. Um, so, um, I'd been looking to make uh, some films for a while, and I had a f- couple of things in development. But then, when this opportunity came up, I, I kind of just jumped on it. So, do you see any? So, what what are like the sort of big differences you see from like jumping behind the camera to sort of in front of it? Do you sort of get a sort of a different feel of obviously you get a different feel of the production process but does it sort of would it does it sort of help you yourself as an actor to understand what the director also does as well yeah i did i mean i, I kind of hadn't studied directing but i knew and i knew a bit about it from obviously being an actor um and i guess what i'm always trying to do as an actor in front of the camera is to be un, as unself-conscious as possible you know so that i you know i'm as relaxed and as natural as possible in front of a camera and in a way filming frank for the documentary um i was trying to capture it real fly on the wall vibe so that i needed him to be as unselfconscious as possible also and it helped that, that we were friends but also for the first couple of days 
he hadn't had a camera following him around before. So there was an element of, you know, what's this guy doing? He's, you know, he's here all the time. And, and then after a couple of days, he kind of forgot that I was there. Um, and then I was able to really capture stuff that was very, uh, just purely observed and very natural. And, um, and that was exciting. When I started to see that happening in front of the camera, I thought, well, that's the sort of stuff that I try and do as an actor. So if this is your first film, why the choice of a documentary? Because um, Well, it just it really just came up. I, I've been developing a, a feature drama um, for, for a while, and I knew Frank was on the uh, periphery of being called up for a world title. So I knew there was a possibility of potentially a documentary if the f- call ever came through. And I thought it would be really interesting to see how someone that's such long odds to win a fight like that would go in the lead up to it. Um, so I kind of did, you know, I had in my mind that there might be a documentary, but it all revolved around whether or not he would get the opportunity. Mm. Um, so when he called me up and he said, guess what, it's happening, um, I mentally already prepared a little bit of, bit for it. Um, but it was still a it was still a shock. Yeah. So, what would you say are the main differences between, I guess, acting in a work of um, like a fictional movie as opposed to a real life in the moment documentary? Um, I don't know. I mean, they're just they're they're, they're I guess they're totally different. Um, you know, I just uh, I just acted in a movie that that premiered at Sydney Film Festival, and to give you an example, that was a hundred page script. With a massive amount of dialogue, um, and I rehearsed with the actress, and we shot it over three weeks, and pretty much we had a schedule every day of what we were going to be doing, what we'd be saying, what the locations were, and really with the documentary I was making with Frank, I didn't know what was going to happen from day to day. All I knew is that from the time I got the phone call, that in five weeks' time um, he would fight for the world title in America, and then it was a matter of um, really shooting on the fly each day. So I'd say to him, roughly, what are you going to do today? And he'd say, well, I'll go to the gym, I'll train for two hours, then I'll go home and eat, then I'll rest, and I'll come back to the gym and train, and then I might go and see some friends in the afternoon and whatever. So I would kind of just, yeah, very um, improvisationary kind of feel to it. Whereas a film, when you're on set and there's a budget, you know, it's so structured and planned out that you really pretty much know what you're going to be doing every day for, for most of the shoot. So uh, sort of talk a bit about editing and sort of that sort of thing, because I've... Uh, I've do media at high school and stuff yep. so done a bit of editing and stuff do you, how how do you sort of in the editing room in like the cutting room what do you choose to leave in and what do you choose out to sort of uh try like as well to sort of like create create a story that's engaging for the audience to watch but also try and tell the real life events as accurately as possible like is there do you have to do a lot of sort of uh, weighing up the different bits of footage, what to keep, what to cut off. Yeah, you do. I mean, I think I, I think the the documentary is fifty minutes long, and I think I ended up shooting about fifty or sixty hours of footage. Um, so initially, you know, you got to sit down and look through it all and make notes on what's good and what isn't. And then I think I got it down to about a four and a half hour assembly, which was pretty much, um, pretty much the the filming chronological order. Of the of the bits that I thought were you know possibly going to work in the documentary, uh, and then really I was I was really keen to capture um, the true sense of how the events unfolded. So I didn't I tried not to manipulate too much in the in the telling of the story. So if there was a scene that happened on day four, um, uh, but it might fit better on day two, I I really wanted to leave it in day four. You know, so um, it's just a matter of the more you watch it, the more you start to see what's interesting and potentially where the story is, and then mm. you start cutting cutting stuff out. Um, I had a fantastic editor on board who helped me a lot. 
Uh, and she didn't know anything about the project when I brought it to her. So she was able to watch the four-hour thing, knowing nothing about it, and then get a really clear sense straight away of what interested her, you know, um, which was really helpful. Do you think that uh, sort of audiences are drawn to a sort of underdog story like this? Sort of, uh, have you sort of had that response from people? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, th- there's just the, you know, it poses a question really early on is, you know, can this guy win? And so that's the hook uh, for the audience. You know, we find out that there's a little bit of information about this boxer, where he lives, what he does, where he's ranked in the world. And then all of a sudden, you know, we realize he's got this phone call and he has the opportunity to fight for the world title and he has five weeks. So naturally, an audience thinks, wow, he's a big underdog. It would be amazing if he won. Can he win? How good is the guy who is fighting? Those type of, you know, questions. Um, so in a way, it was a very simple, like the, the core of it or the, the fundamental question was a really simple one. But that kind of allowed us to explore all the little details and moments along the way. Hmm. What would you say was, I guess, the hardest part of doing particularly a story like this where you're connected with it and it's very, very real? Mm. Um, the hardest part for me was probably... Oh, technically, I, I was difficult because I shot a lot of it myself um, and I hadn't used the camera before. So I didn't know much about the camera and I recorded sound myself, which I hadn't done. So I had a lot of trouble early on technically working out how to do stuff. Um, and also, pretty much I was a one-man band for the whole thing. And I sh- the, the first part of the documentary takes place over five weeks and then the last, probably the last third of the documentary takes place over about 18 months. So it follows Frank after the fight. And that uh, part of the documentary, just leading up to the fight, um, I guess I was thinking uh, if he wins or loses, that's the end of the documentary. Mm. You know, And I don't want to give away what happens in the documentary, but then I, I did find it really interesting to follow Frank after the fight. And then mm. I was also thinking, well, I don't know how long I'm following him for. Mm. You know, I don't know. Um, so th- that was that was difficult because I've been, you know, I... I be talking to people about the documentary or trying to raise funds for helping the edit or finish it but I also couldn't tell people what the ending would be or how long I would be shooting to get to the ending Mm. and you know the more I've spoken to documentary filmmakers that take on these types of projects that are based on real events and don't have a fixed um, ending they all say oh yeah I thought my documentary was going to take six months and took four years (laughs) you know so that was kind of you know with a film you're booked for a certain if you're an actor or a TV show or something you're booked for a certain period of time and you know that that's the contract and that's how long you'll be doing it for whereas this documentary I was thinking this could go forever you know this could this I don't know when it's going to finish so that was that was a challenge so when how did you decide when it was time to stop filming the documentary like this is the end point um, I remember talking to my editor and her saying, um, we've got quite a lot of footage now and we've got, I'd say, two-thirds of the story. Um, what, what, what's the ending going to be? You know, And I, I really didn't know because it depended on what Frank would be doing. Um, and then uh, you know, a couple of things happened in, in his personal life which were really good and talking to him, I, I guess I realised that that's, um, following those events is really the ending of the story and possibly the beginning of a new story for him. Mm. So that was, um, you know, it, it gets to the point where you think, well, this could probably only end two or three ways now. You know? So then when one of those ways presents itself, I, I grabbed it. <laughs> mm. 
So do you, would you ever revisit the story if anything, uh, any like new developments that sort of enticed you happened in the future? Would you ever would you ever consider revisiting the story of Frank? No, I don't think so. Um, yeah, the the ending of the doco is pretty definitive in a way in terms of uh, his career and and stuff like that. So. Um, I don't know if there'll be uh, Inside Fighter Part 2. I, I, can't, I, I can't imagine <laughs> Inside it, you know? Fighter 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> That's right. You know, I'm really, yeah, no, I'm not sure. No, I've got a few a few other projects that I'm developing at the moment, so hopefully Frank doesn't pull back on the gloves and say, you know, let's let's do it again. <laughs> uh, what So what what draws you to documentaries and they're sort of, is, is there something about like, uh, is there something about the sort of the realness of it that... Uh, Interest sort of captivates you in making it? I think so. I mean, I've always loved documentaries, particularly documentaries. Um, the Maisel Brothers, I don't know if you know their work at all. Uh, they're a really famous documentary uh, pair of brothers in America who made these very um, raw slice-of-life documentaries. Uh, one, for instance, is a fantastic documentary called Salesman about a group of um, Bible salesmen in the Midwest in America. And I remember seeing that documentary, and they followed these Bible salesmen for about a year. And there was a real mix of um, just absolute fly-on-the-wall reality. You never see, there's no interviews in the documentary. You don't see the documentary filmmaker um, like, like my doco. Um, you're just really with these people, and you start to get a really great sense of who these people are and how they live. So I, I love that immediacy of that sort of storytelling. And then I also, with the Maisel Brothers stuff, I really loved how there was, they also knew how to make the stories dramatic. So they weren't just a documentary about um, giving you information. They understood the storytelling aspects mm. of... They often played like feature films to me, you know, but they were mm. so real, I thought it'd be fantastic to make a feature film this real, mm. <laughs> you know. So, yeah, I've always loved that sort of filmmaking. And do you have any tips for any, uh, like, people who want to make their own sort of documentaries and tell their own real-world stories? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, look, from my point of view, I think I was really lucky that Frank called me up and, and didn't give me any notice and just forced me to grab a camera and do it, you know, because you can spend a lot of time talking about the pros and cons of doing something and um, it's kind of easy to also talk yourself out of something because you think, oh, this will be really hard or I haven't got enough money or, you know. Um, but I think I think just if someone's got a story they're really passionate in following, um, then to just do it. To just mm-hmm. dump, jump in, grab a camera, and start start shooting. So your film is um, being screened at the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival. Yep. Saturday. Um, I don't know. Yep. So the Documentary <laughs> Film <laughs> Festival. Um, this is the first <laughs> year of this festival, and uh, it's great because it's uh, it's Melbourne's own documentary film festival, and they've got docos from all over the world screening there for three days. Uh, it's a competition festival, which I think is the only competition documentary festival in Australia. Um, and yeah, my film's playing on nine o'clock uh, this Saturday night. And there's some other really fantastic Australian docos playing um, there also. So, you know, um, uh, definitely get along if you like documentaries. Well, we'll post links to the, uh, the, the, the program and to the Melbourne Documentary Film Festival uh, on our Facebook and social media. Fantastic. But... Thank you for this interview. It's been really interesting. Oh, my pleasure. No, thanks for having me. This podcast was brought to you by Amplify. 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 The sound of underage Melbourne.